are here for a reason. Breaking down the brotherhood, one prayer at a time. Right on, right on, right on. <laughs> right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. <laughs> You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason.
And good day to you. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Right On Radio. Of course, I, my name is Jeff, and I'm joined today. This is a global broadcast, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm joined today by the lovely, talented, devoted Beulah, who also goes by Watching Wall. Good Shalom, day everyone. You. Good evening to you in Singapore. Good, good day, good morning, good evening <laughs> to all, yeah. wherever you are. Yeah, we have a lot of people from Australia who watch and South Africa and in the UK. So we kind of hit every single time zone. Uh, you know what's interesting this morning, Beulah? And we, we obviously mm -hmm. we pray right before we we come on air, but I always choose a different intro this morning, uh, but than I did this morning. I did the breaking down the brotherhood uh one. And what's interesting. I think we're going to see, and I, it wasn't pre-planned, but I, as I'm running, I'm going, you know what? Actually, you see God working against the brotherhood, even in this chapter. Yep. He works in a mysterious way. <laughs> he certainly does. And, and I think if there's an overriding theme of this chapter, it's, uh, it's God working in the background, not always in the foreground. Although Jesus does make an appearance in this. Mm -hmm. Yes, so, he does. And uh, and good day to you in the in the chat. Thank you for being here, uh, Donna. Thank you for being here, Misty River, and uh, Katie. Well, man, there's so many. Thank you kindly for being here. Um, let's. Well, I'm just going to pray again, Father. I just pray for the reading of your word, Father God, that uh, your word is uh, engraved on the hearts of those who hear it, and and they get the message from it that you yes. intend personally for their lives because you are a personal God, Father. And we love that about you. We love that you speak to us all in different ways, uh, that you know how to communicate with each one of us, Father God, and that you care about each one of us, that you want to be involved in our lives. And Father, just I pray this word today, this chapter of Acts will... So just serve as even a guiding post in our lives to know the faithfulness of Christ who died on the cross for the remission of our sins. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Beulah, why don't I read maybe the first 17 and then I'll let you pick it up in 18 and that'll be about halfway through it here. And then we'll go back to the beginning and start to see what God has for us. Okay, let's roll. Now looking intently at the council, Paul said, brothers, I have lived my life with an entirely good conscience before God up to this day. But the high priest Ananias commanded those standing beside him to strike him in the mouth. And then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Do you sit trying to try me according to the law and in violation of the law, order me to be struck? But those present said, are you insulting God's high priest? And Paul said, I was not aware, brothers, that he is the high priest, for it is written you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. But Paul, perceiving that one group were Sadducees and the other 
Pharisees began crying out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am, in trial, I am on trial for the hope and resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dissension occurred between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor an angel, nor a spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. And a great uproar occurred, and some of the scribes of the Pharisaic party stood up and started arguing heatedly, saying, We find nothing wrong with this man. Suppose a spirit or an angel has spoken to him. And when a great dissension occurred, the commander, who was afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, and he ordered the troops to come down and take him away from them by force and bring him back into the barracks. But on the following night, the Lord stood near him and said, Be courageous, for as you have testified to the truth about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify in Rome also. And when it was day, the Jews formed a conspiracy to put themselves under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who formed this plot. They came to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have put ourselves under an oath to taste nothing until we killed Paul. Now therefore you and the council notify the commander to bring him down to you as though you were going to investigate his case more thoroughly. And as for us, we are ready to kill him before he comes near the place. But the son of Paul's sister heard about their ambush and he came and entered the barracks and told Paul, Then Paul, calling in one of the centurions, said, Take this young man to the commandant, for he has something to report to him. So he took him and conducted him to the commandant and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me to him and requested me to conduct this young man to you, for he has something to report to you. The commandant took him by the hand and, going aside with him, asked privately, what is it that you have to report to me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as if they were intending to examine him more exactly. But do not yield to their persuasion for more than 40 of their men are lying in an ambush waiting for him, having bound themselves by an oath and under a curse neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him. And even now they are already just waiting for your promise. So the commandant set the youth away, charging him, do not disclose this to anyone that you have given me this information. Then summoning two of the centurions, he said, have 200 footmen ready by the third hour of the night to go as far as Caesarea with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen. Also provide beasts for mounts for Paul to ride and bring him in safely to Felix the governor. And he wrote a letter 
having this message, Claudius Lysias sends greeting to His Excellency Felix the Governor. This man was seized as a prisoner by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the troops and rescued him because I learned that he is a Roman citizen. And wishing to know the exact accusation which they were making against him, I brought him down before their council. I found that he was charged in regards to questions of their own law, but he was accused of nothing that would call for death or even imprisonment. However, when it was pointed out to me that there would be a conspiracy against this man, I, I sent him to you immediately, directing his accusers also to present before you their charge against him. So the soldiers, in compliance with their instructions, took Paul and conducted him during the night to Antipatrius. And the next day, they returned to the barracks, leaving the mounted men to proceed with him. When these came to Caesarea and gave the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul before him. Having read the letter, he asked to what province Paul belonged and he discovered that he was from Cilicia. He said, I will hear your case fully when your accusers also have come. And he ordered that an eye be kept on him in Herod's palace. Amen. So there's not a big gospel teaching in this particular chapter. But again, it's God moving in the background. And, you know, if if you look at, you know, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Lord says where the gospel will spread to. And yeah. this is the full, this is how the Lord is fulfilling his promise on how the gospel is going to be spread. It's quite amazing when you see this and you see all the people in which, and, and sometimes the Bible just steps back, Beulah, and, and in, in this particular chapter, we're seeing the stage play out. We're, we're seeing what's happening in the world at this time rather than getting the nuggets of, uh, of the gospel and things like that. It's, it's literally what's happening in the world as this Paul the Apostle is journeying. Yep. We Sometimes we need to realize that God doesn't always make things very obvious. But like Abraham, he, he only did according to what the Lord told him. He only did what the Lord told him, same as Moses. So in this case, Paul had received a word, and that is he will... Uh, be a witness, not just in Jerusalem, but also in Rome. But God didn't give details how he would be in Rome. <laughs> so that mystery is where our obedience and our trust comes in. So even though we don't see with our eyes, God sets everything up. And then God, I mean, God sent Paul a great, a great and grand escort. Amigos escort. Escorted you with peace and everything, and a whole army with him, you know. But that was God's way of doing. But He doesn't give details all the time. So let us not be too hung up with details and just trust on the Lord and wait on Him to move. 
and, and spoiler alert, um, God arranges for Paul's transportation to Rome and gets the Roman government to pay for it. <laughs> so, <Yep. laughs> you know, uh, it, it's uh, maybe not the, not the way he would have expected, but you know, Paul uh, at this point, uh, I think except for maybe one very, very short point, Paul is going to be imprisoned for the rest of his life at this mm -hmm. point now. And, but it, it doesn't hinder his work to spread the gospel. It actually accelerates it. And Paul counts it as a blessing. Yes. Yes. And, and Paul has this saying that I am a bond servant of the Lord in chains. And I can, I think this is what he meant he served God, but his service was mostly in prison cells and being persecuted and, and all of that. But God knew Paul's character. He knew his strength. He knew his the grace that is in his life. So it takes a calling of God to, to be able to walk the kind of walk that Paul had endured. So it's not just anybody but those who are called will be endued with the grace to do so. Amen. And just, you know, as a note, as, as we read through this, and I just want to give you a little bit of a different perspective, and then, then I'll paint the uh, picture of what's actually happening here. But um, as we have learned in the last few years, we are actually slaves, we are actually bond servants in chains to the Lord Jesus. And what do I mean by that? Well, we are stuck in a legal system that has no legality. We're stuck in a, in a corporate system that really, uh, you know, you were sold out at birth with your birth certificate and all these different things. So we are slaves in the system right now. And we're in a debt-based economy, which is, you know, obviously if you're in debt, you're, you're a slave to the lender. Uh, and the lender is just printing money. It's not even real. It's just, it's pretend. And yet we kind of have to follow through with it. So I want you to keep that in mind that this is, we're looking at what, what's happening to Paul here, but at the same time, our lives are kind of paralleling what is happening here? Mm -hmm. All right, so let, let's let's look at this and just just to as a reminder, uh, Paul went into the temple and a huge riot uh, came up, and so you know Paul was arrested or rescued by the uh, by the commander and brought up to the barracks and. You know, when the commander was about to flog Paul, Paul goes, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. You can't do that to me. And the commander obviously needs to obey the law. And and each commander is, is in charge or a centurion is in charge of like 100 soldiers. It's important to note because that'll come in later. Uh, but when Paul spoke, now, you know, he spoke to the uh, the commander in Greek and now he's speaking in Hebrew to the people. And the people, as soon as he mentions the word Gentiles, you know, the dirty people, according to the Jews at the time, uh, they started another riot. And so this centurion, he's just trying to figure out, or this commander's trying to figure out what what the heck are they accusing him of? Because they argue and he's not, they're not getting the same story. So he does not know what to do with this guy. Paul, 
I'm kind of stumped here. <laughs> well, so that, that okay. So now, uh, so he doesn't know what to do with Paul. So what he does is he summons the council. Uh, now the council is the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It was because Paul is being accused of breaking their laws, although the commander can't discern what law he has broken, certainly not one worthy of death or, or imprisonment, mm. according to the, the letter later on stated. Mm. But so what he does, and he's not sending, like normally he would go to the same place that Jesus went when he stood beside in front of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but he didn't do it this time. He invited them to his court, so in the barracks. And that's where uh, 23 picks up. And Paul's standing in front of these people, and it seems to be about 70 people, now looking intently at the council. Paul says, brothers, I have lived my life with an entirely good conscience before this day. And I just want to look at that right there. So... First of all, like Paul, from what I understand, he's a shorter guy. He probably has a unibrow. Uh, he has some vision trouble. We're given some clues in the scriptures about that. Uh, but he's looking intently. Like he's he's just, you know, it, it's that uh, real time, like before there's anticipation, what is he going to say? You know, but he's just sitting there looking at them. And he's probably making eye contact with every single one of them. But then he addresses them as brothers. Now, this is important because when we, when we remember when Peter went in front of the council and, and you, know, he would, you know, he would say elders and fathers, which is the proper greeting for them. But here... Paul says brothers because he was a Pharisee. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's greeting them as peers. So Paul was probably wondering, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? What are you, what are you, you know, causing all this stir up and looking at them, knowing that there probably are some errors in their ways that he's looking at. And so, what's wondering? What are you guys doing? At least, what I what what I feel that he was he was doing. So when when he says he lived entirely in good conscience before this day, the high priest Ananias. And now you have to understand this is not uh, the Ananias from earlier in the Book yep. of Acts. This is yep. a new guy. It was a popular name. It's like you know John Smith in America sort of thing. Ananias is a very popular name, but he commanded those standing beside him to strike him on the mouth. So, so listen, just to paint a picture, Beulah, Paul knows this is not a fair trial. These mm -hmm. people want to kill him. And, and that was evident by the two riots previous. You know, they're shouting, they want to kill. So he knows he's not going to get a fair trial. And, you know, this, and he makes his very first statement uh, that he's lived an entirely good conscience up before this day. And he gets the, the high priest orders him to get punched in the face. Which so is, it's, 
it's it's, yeah, it's like Paul, Paul had a good conscience and he knows that he stands clear before God. He stands clear before man. So when he is in that place where everything around him is all accusations, but God, but Paul knew his position, he knew his standpoint, and he knew that he is not alone. And one thing I found that's interesting is that when I look into this Ananias, um, according to the Sire Dictionary or Commentary, it says that this guy is a son of uh, Nadibaus, who is a high priest of the Jews. So he was a high priest of the Jews during the AD 47 to 59. And Paul says here, God is about to strike, to strike you, right? He said, God is going to strike you. And that happened in the year 66 because this Ananias was slain by yeah. somebody called Sakari. Yeah, and Ananias was uh, very, very corrupt, according to historians at the time. And he would, for instance, take the tithes, which are normally spread among the priests, and he would take them all for himself and he would bribe the Roman soldiers and everything. It was all about power for him, right? So right here, when we're talking about, you know, God going against the brotherhood. So let, let's, let's, let's just talk about that here for a second. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, mm -hmm. that that's the, this is the beginning of the brotherhood folks, <laughs> you know, modern time brotherhood. This is, this is it. Paul standing before their council. And yeah, so exactly. So you know, Paul, and listen, you got to understand, Paul is a human. He's not like Jesus was. You know, Jesus was God and man. Uh, Paul is just man. And so, you know, you get punched in the face, you might say something that is not godly. You know, for instance, Jesus didn't say, oh, I'm going to smite you. You know, he didn't do that. But Paul here does say, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed well. <laughs> wall. Do you sit and try me according to the law and in violation of the law order me struck? So Paul knows. And so he's calling them out. He says, yeah. you're, you're saying you're in front of the law, but you're disobeying the law. That Paul was so, he, Paul was the smartest guy in the room everywhere he went. I'm in this in this case, in this instance, he was standing for what the word of God has said. He was standing up for the law. Here he sees a perversion of the law, a manipulation, and a corruption. So it takes a it takes a godly man, it takes godliness to have that that courage to stand and call it out. Not a courage, not not um, a strength in the flesh, but a godly courage, as we see Paul displayed here. Uh, it, you know, perhaps the most courageous of all the apostles, you know, no doubt. You just you just even think of how he got to Jerusalem and, you know, everywhere he went, people are going, listen, man, the Holy Spirit's telling me that some bad stuff's going to happen to you, Paul. And, uh, and everyone said that to him. And Paul said, yeah, the Holy Spirit showed me that too. It didn't say not to go. It just said bad stuff's going to happen yes. when I do go. Yes. So you see that there is a common um, understanding that's been going around that uh, God loves you. God will not let you endure. Uh, he will not let you go through, you know, persecution. He will not let you go through hardships. That's that's actually very far from the truth. I mean, he will surround you with his protection such that your life will not be touched. 
but he allows you to go through the, the trials and the fires because out of it will actually birth forth fruit and uh, character. So in this case, Paul did not lean on the fact that, you know, God called me to, to minister to the, Jew, to the Jews in Jerusalem. Um, you know, everything will be smooth. Everything will be smooth sailing. If anything happens, if there's a persecution, it means that, oh, God might not be in it, you know, or, or something. Up. But that's not, that's not the case. So we cannot, base, um, we cannot base the will of God by what we see in our circumstance, by what we see in the natural. But we have to know with a purpose. We have to know his purpose. We have to know his destination. And then we have to know that in our heart with a conviction. Paul had it because he had the commission. He had the word. So he went with the word regardless of, you know, have being smacked right in the center of fire with this Sanhedrin's. I'm just writing a note for myself because I have an important announcement to make at the end of this show and you don't want to miss it. Uh, there was something that was discussed on the prayer uh, last night and I want to move forward with it. So uh, make sure to catch the announcement. It's going to be a lot of fun for you. Amen. Uh, okay. So then Paul, you know, they, they said, but they, those present said, are you insulting God's high priest? <laughs> <laughs> he just had a, he just had him punched in the mouth illegally. And Paul said, I was not aware brothers that he is the high priest for it is written. You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. So Paul's saying, Hey, if I knew I wouldn't have had it, you know, perhaps you should have put your dress on before coming here. You know, because uh, they're not in the temple. So they're not in their, I'm assuming they're not in their, you know, temple garb and stuff like that. And uh, so Ananias wasn't wearing a special dress. Mm. And he also perceived when he looked at them that there are two groups and he knew how to address the situation. So there is a wisdom of God that came upon him mm. at that time. I remember there's a verse that says that, uh, I think it was in, in Matthew when, when the Lord says that you when you are persecuted, when you are brought before the temple, do not be afraid of what you ought to speak. For in that very moment, in that very hour, the Holy Spirit will give you the words. So we may not have everything ahead of us or prepared before us. So all this, it, it all comes down to walking live, real time with the Lord. And so if we ever are caught in a situation where we are put in a place where we had to give an answer like that, you can trust the Lord that he will give you the wisdom. The wisdom will just come through the Holy Spirit from within. Amen. And that will be true. It, it's uh, God is a just-in-time God. And, and I'll just add one thing to that, and I think it follows what you said just prior to that as well, uh, Beulah. You know, God doesn't promise us an easy ride in this life. Uh, it's not going to be an easy ride as we live in a fallen world. However, God will never give you something that you can that's that you cannot handle. He will never give you something. He knows you can handle it. It's just whether you choose to or not. But he yes. never gives you something that you cannot handle and uh, and he never leaves your side and you have to know that. Yeah. 
And it just reminded me when Daniel was thrown to the den of lions, God moved and the lions sh shut their mouth. And they, they were starving, but they shut their mouth. And that is God in action. So we, we have to be willing to lay down our preconceived notions, our expectancy of how God will move. Um, because our mind is so, so small, you know, compared to the vast greatness of God's glory. Our mind, our understanding is only just a tiny little bit of a small, tiny fraction. I, I, I wouldn't even say it's just a fraction. I mean, it's not existent compared to God's glory. So, so the Lord will not, the Father, the Father will not allow his children to be tested beyond what they can endure. And even that there is an added measure of supernatural grace. The, the three boys, the three Hebrew boys, they they face the fire in their face yeah. heated seven times over right in their face i don't know about you but i'll be quaking you know with that fire in my face knowing that i'll be thrown but here is one thing they for their the flesh may fail but their heart because they they said to nebuchadnezzar let it be known to you even if god did not come and save us now we will not so in that place of resolute uh, choice that they made, they have purpose, made a resolution within themselves that they will not bow because there is deep within them, there is an anchoring in the God whom they know, whom they, who, a God whom they can trust. And true, God did not let them be ashamed. Who would have known when you are thrown into the fire, the fire burns, but you are untouched. Who would have known that there will be a fourth man walking there? Who would have known that the ropes will fall and not a, 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 a hint of smell or burn on their hairs and on their clothes? Who would have known? And God that did. fire was so hot that people who were going to throw them in the fire were dying from the heat of the fire. Uh, and so the most devastating of situations, there's seemingly in the natural, no escape and Jesus turns it into a dance party. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Honestly, they were, you know, yes. it turned into a dance party. <laughs> and for them all to see, like, yes. it's just incredible. Yes. So do not allow circumstance before your eyes to intimidate you. But in order to not be intimidated, you have to anchor what is inside here you have to know the god whom you serve you have to know the name of the lord whom you call upon that is your surety that is where your faith will spring up from there is no other way no other shortcut daniel says that those who know their god those who know intimately know their god will do great and mighty exploits. That's right. And and as you said earlier, the Holy Spirit will come upon you just at the right time. And this is so brilliant, it had to come from God. And now, Paul probably could have figured this out himself, but you got to remember, he's just been struck. The guy's surrounded. He's on a trial. He knows it's not a fair trial. But Paul, perceiving that one group were Sadducees and the others were Pharisees, began crying in the council. 
brothers, I'm a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees, and I'm on trial for the hope and resurrection of the dead. Now, what, what's what's interesting here, and it obviously goes on in a couple uh, different verses from now, but the the Sadducees, by the way, so appropriately named, they they don't believe in the resurrection, so there's no hope, right? You just you just die. They don't believe in the angels. They don't believe in spirit. They just think, you know, this is your modern day atheist, but they're on the, the high council. And and no, listen, if you don't believe that there's somewhere after this world, if you don't believe that there's eternity, if you think you're just worm food, you are also <laughs> going to be sad. You see? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like the way you put it. It's so funny. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah. But yet, look at the other side. Uh, they do believe, the, the Pharisees do believe in the resurrection. They just did, didn't believe in Jesus. They do believe in the law. They do believe in in spirit and in angels and all that. Um, so they're looking and saying, hey, this isn't fair. Mm -hmm. Is he? You see? <laughs> no, <laughs> it didn't work. Didn't work. But it has to be Pharisee. <laughs> um, and, and because he said he's a Pharisee, so all, all of these people are there to go against Paul. They were in agreement when they showed up. Look, this is going to be a bad trial. We're all going to just get rid of this guy. He's a troublemaker. But instead, they turn on each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's just Confusion so in the Emmy's camp. That's right. Um... And so a great uproar occurred, and some of the scribes of the Pharisaic party stood up and started arguing heatedly, saying, we found nothing wrong with this man. Now, these people wanted to rip his flesh off his bones like three minutes ago, <laughs> you know? But now, because uh, because they're in this fight against the Sadducees, they're saying, no, no, this, this guy, maybe a spirit or an angel did speak to him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And when this great dissension occurred, the commander was afraid that Paul, once again, would be torn to pieces, and he ordered the troops to take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. So they, the troops had to fight these guys to get Paul out of there. Uh, it took him by force. Listen, this is one man, and there's a council of like 70 people, plus you've got the, the Roman centurions there and, and everything for one guy. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's the power of of truth. And it, it literally just shake shake them at uh, what Paul could bring, the revelation of the truth. So, but the thing is that, you see, God stood it in for him that what was intended against Paul, I mean, they, they were so, they were so sure they're going to get him that they could give a an oath and and a curse I, I mean who would do that they put an oath an oath and a curse uh, upon themselves that they will not eat and drink until until they slain paul you know that's 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 i find that so crazy but it shows that they are so confident in what they could do and what they intend to do because they have the power of numbers right but when you have God with you, you have the majority. That's right. And so Paul 
you know, he's brought back into the barracks. You know, they have they can't even set him out. He has to stay inside the uh, the barracks of this. And uh, and Paul's probably wondering, you know, okay, what is next? Like, you know, it it just. You know, and by the way, these are the same barracks that Peter was in, and the chains fell off, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. Earlier in the in chapter three or four, I think it was, and uh, and now Paul's standing there, but the chains don't fall off for him and the lord shows up and just like there was a a angel for peter and that but the lord stood near him and said be courageous for you have testified to the truth of me in jerusalem so you must testify in rome also now this is really important. So first of all, God comes and gives him that personal visitation. And I think it's five times in all of the uh, New Testament that Paul was visited by Jesus in all. But uh, it's mostly when he's having a distressful time. Uh, and the Lord shows up and he says, "Not you did it in Jerusalem. You did what you were supposed to. Now you have to go to Rome. So Paul knows He's going to end up in Rome. It doesn't matter uh, what he go. Like I'm getting out of this place. I'm heading to Rome. Yeah. So it's very important to have the word of the Lord give you a direction. Very important because that word is your compass. It will point you the way. How it comes about? It's something that we. It's something that is God's part. That's His part. Our part is to look at that direction and, of course, be willing to obey, to go in that direction. I mean, if Jerusalem is so bad, what about in Rome, you know? And But Paul, Paul I think he, he, is, his, he had a, a resolution in him that he will do as the Lord tells him to do. But because he had the word of the Lord and the Lord in his grace came to personally deliver that word to him. And say, be courageous. And and we're going to see how much that one word uh, in was ingrained in Paul's faith. Because in the coming chapters, he they're shipwrecked. You know, everyone thinks they're going to die. The sea is so bad. They get shipwrecked. Then they run into a serpent. And uh, Paul, nothing's phasing. No, no, because he knows. The Lord yeah. told him he's going to be in Rome. So it doesn't matter yeah. what the world throws at him. Yes. He's going to be That's in right. Rome. And yes. indeed, he does make it to Rome. So anchoring your, fix your vision to the tree of life. Fix it there, not anywhere else. Anywhere else doesn't point you the direction that you need it doesn't give you the place. It doesn't give you that hope to go where you need. He want, God wants you to go. Only when we fix our eyes, our heart, our ears to the tree of life, then everything that happens all around will not face. Amen. And by the way, if you haven't seen new goggles from last uh, evening, I talked about the two trees and a little bit of controversy was spurred up by those statements and uh perhaps i'll do a chat or something this week and 
clarify a little bit more or make an addendum to it on the next new goggles. Uh, I didn't mean to create chaos, but uh, I do stand by the statement that if you're not getting your information relationally yes in some way you're actually getting your knowledge from That's the tree right. of the knowledge of good and evil now uh here here's one addendum that i'm going to add to it just to spur your thought god also made the tree of the knowledge of good and evil mm -hmm. so it's not blasphemous to get your information from there mm -hmm. however it, do you yes. want to focus on that or do you want to focus right. on the tree of life that's right we, we we can it's good to have information and knowledge but if that is your major uh your major feeding then you are not feeding from the tree of life the major has to be the major the minor has to be the minor. If the minor becomes the major point, that minor becomes an idol because it's not the tree of life. It takes the place of the tree of life. Yeah. So we have and, to check. And there's all kinds of knowledge that you can search out and, you know, on your own and find out, but it doesn't mean it's the truth. It doesn't mean it's a lie either, mm -hmm. but you're just, you're not getting your knowledge in that case from the tree of life because yes. God ministers relationally. If you study your Bible by yourself, okay, you're in your room, like I study right here in my studio. I'm sure you do as well, Beulah. I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. I've got the Holy Spirit inside me. I'm having relationship with God. He's ministering to his word. And I'm wrestling with them. I'm going, God, what do you mean by that? And I don't like that in my life. My flesh doesn't like that, God. I, I talk to God honestly. That way I wrestle with him. And then yes. he says, Jeff, I'm God and you're not. And I mm. say, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's right. And, you uh, know, I'm yeah. You, you know, I, I cannot emphasize this enough. Anything that is not from the tree of life, if it becomes a major source for you, it can become your idol. This is something that the Lord is prompting. It is of importance. So, it is everybody have got their own responsibility and accountability before God to check their heart, to check where their focus is. And, and just know this, if your major source is not the tree of life, that source can become an idol in your life. You, you know what? I can't think of a better way to describe it and in particularly with the right on radio audience you're going to understand this and i'm not coming against jesse here uh, she's my friend we were texting back and forth still like just the other day but in our chats sometimes i always see people oh i wonder what jesse would say about this i wonder what jesse would say about that i wonder if jesse could decode this and, and i'm thinking my, my goodness why don't you just go to God? 
You know, go to God for the answer. But instead, we follow a person and has that person become an idol in your life? If so, you best get away from it. And I'm not saying not to listen to Jesse or anything. Don't hear anything I'm not saying if you love the information she brings out. But go to God. Yeah. The same thing also applies for those that are in the ministry. If, if let's say, you know, we can have respect for, for servants of God, for ministers of God who bring about the word of the Lord and we, we have been very edified by, by the fruits of their ministry and all that. It still comes down to the same thing. Where our anchor and our eyes on. Yes. If we, if we have, uh, we respect a person for his ministry, but we have to look at God that is working through that person in the ministry, not look at that person. That was said so beautifully, Beulah. We have to see God working through that person, yes. not look at that person. Yes. And yes. It's very important because any man can fall. Even I can fall. Even you can fall, Jeff, because we are all human. At any one point, if we are not careful, we can trip off to the edge. And when we do that, all those who, uh, the, the people who put us on the pedestal, they will fall as well. So the safeguard is always only the tree of life. Everything else can be an idol. Amen. All right, let's get back to the conspiracy to kill Paul. So when it was day, the Jews, it notice like a lot of the time when it says Jews in the Bible, it's really in a derogatory way. And again, I'm not coming out against the Jews, just that there's been a huge lie about these people for many, many years. And now that we understand these things, if you've watched the synagogue of Satan ones, you'll know what I'm talking about. But um, <laughs> right here, they're forming a conspiracy. They're putting themselves under oath. And by the way, even the Bible says not to go under oath. Uh, yeah. You know, you're not supposed to. But they do. And not only do they go under into an oath, they're this kind of packed together, but they're not even going to eat or drink. So they're fasting on this. This is, this is how important it is that they kill Paul. And what was it that Paul said there was two things that Jesus had come and fulfilled the scriptures. And if that had happened, um, they lose power over the people. So mm. he was a threat to their power because they, mm. they were the rulers of the Jews. They were under Roman law because Rome had conquered them at this point in time. But the Jews were let to kind of be self-governing and independent in this society. And... So not only does he threaten the power structures of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but he also is, is a threat to them. Uh, well, you know what? It's really about the power structure, I think, mostly. But oh, oh, also that it's not only for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles. And to them, what do you mean? We're the chosen people. God would not touch those people. And literally, remember last time, the Gentiles, 
they the Jews of the time, and this was a common saying for them, the Gentiles, so the, everyone else in the world, is only kindling to stoke the fires in hell. We are no good. And talk I talk about deletes, right? And I talk suggest to you today that that feeling has not changed at all. And yeah. the, the elites that are running the world think of you as kindling for the fire in hell. Yeah. It also, uh, I mean, I was just thinking as as you were you were speaking about that, Jeff. That probably not too long from now where all of us will have to make a choice to stick up, stand up for the truth that we know, the truth that God has taught us. Because there will be doctrines that will be flying around, doctrines that have steered away from the full authority of the Word of God. And doc those kind of doctrine will be taught as, how you say, it will be the main thing, the trending thing. And like, like in Paul's case, he made a choice to stand, resolve, sink his feet down for the truth that God has given him, for the truth that he knows without compromise. It comes with a cost. So even if speaking God's truth is going to cost you, uh, it's going to cost you to be ridiculed, to be despised, to be cast away, or uh, your your circle of friends just those don't want to associate with you anymore. If that is the cost that you have to pay, then I pray that you will find it in your heart to know God's word for sure, His word and His instruction for you, so that you can have, as what He said to Paul, take courage to stand. And just furtherance on that point, you know, um, God will be there with you in that time. Like even Cisco was talking a couple weeks ago about how, you know, she'd be taken out of her body. She didn't endure, she did not endure the pain that was subjugated to her uh, in these different things. And uh, we have to know that God will show up in, in that moment. And by the way, uh, none of us want, to be martyred. None of us, no, obviously no one wants that. However, if you get to that point, just remember it's God's promise that that's like a promotion in heaven for you. You get, you, bang, you win a new bigger house, <laughs> you know, uh, or whatever it is, but God's given you a promotion. Uh, if you can stand in that time it, and, and I do agree with you, it, it is coming. Yeah. But also know that there will be a supernatural grace that comes along with it. God will not leave you to endure it by yourself. There will be a supernatural grace. How it comes, what the grace does, we don't know until that moment itself. But be like Paul. Be like Daniel. Be like Abraham. Be like Moses. Amen. Amen. 
All right. So here's God's grace right here again, and just in time. So the the they've created this oath. They're plotting to kill him. And, and we didn't even know Paul had a sister except for this right here. Yeah. But the son <laughs> of Paul's sister heard about the ambush. So, you know, he just happens to be in Jerusalem. He happens to be on the inside, probably training to be a Pharisee as Paul was a Pharisee. Paul's father was a Pharisee. Um, so he heard about this and he entered the barracks and told Paul. And now, now look at this. So, so Paul gets wind of this by God's grace, obviously, but this is really unique. So Paul's a prisoner. He's locked up and a centurion. They're called a centurion. A century is a hundred because they, each one of these guys is in charge of a hundred men, but Paul being locked in a cell calls over to the centurion to himself. He said, Hey, Take this young man to the commander, for he has something to report to him. And the centurion comes over, and he, okay, Paul, you said so. Mm-hmm. Look, I, you know, I know I'm in charge of a hundred, you know, soldiers, but uh, and you're in chains, but because you asked so nicely, I'm just going to do it, <laughs> right? So, yes. But they're scared of Paul in in some respect because obviously every, this guy's a big deal. They don't know why, but they know he's a big deal. I suspect the presence of God was also with him. He's not just a mere man. That the bonus that he stands for, I believe the people around him can see the presence of God or know that it's a sense, something, something supernatural, something is about this guy not to be messed around with. There is perhaps a fear, a sense of the fear of the Lord present there too and when people meet you do they experience that Mm -hmm. they do with me sometimes (laughs) not all the time (laughs) but sometimes i know people see and they see god in me i know it because the atmosphere of the room changes yes but i also know that i'm walking in there with god yes uh, do we do that all the time? No. But we can ask. Absolutely. We can ask for it. Ask, Lord, let me be. Let me be when I walk in wherever I go, the presence of the God goes with me, the way he went with the children of Israel. You can ask, and then the Lord will teach you how. Well, so you're exactly right, and there's a reason why on Singapore last night I prayed against selfishness because yes. I'm if I'm walking into a place where there's people um and I did have not said those prayers and not walk in with that intention it's because I am selfish mm-hmm. yep you have to empty we ha- the vessel has to be emptied in order for it to be filled. It cannot be filled with anything else. So the flesh, our carnal nature, has to be put down, whether we like it or not. Our sense of rights before God cannot be more, cannot be above his statutes and his ways and his commands. Nothing surpasses. So 
in that presence, in that place in the altar, you know, in Sing and Paul, we pray this a lot, that we put ourselves down at the altar so that God can come and occupy, so that God can come and fill. Give him a clean place, a clean slate. Give it to him. And even if you have like uh, burdens and, and, and a pile of things, you can give it to him because he will take them. And in replacement, he will give you himself. He will give you his grace. So the point is we have to empty of ourselves. So if we want to carry the presence of God, we need to be willing to let it lay down ourselves so that he can come and feel. Beulah, I haven't done this in a long time, but that was so beautifully said. You get this. Right on, right on, right on. It's the Father. It's the Lord. Uh, it's amen. The Lord. All right. So the uh, the commander took... So now the, the prisoners called over to him and asked me to bring the young man to you because he has something to tell you. And this is this is interesting to me. In verse 19, the commander took him by the hand and stepping aside began to inquire of him privately. Like, it, you know, first of all, for a man to grab another man's hand is somewhat unusual unless it's a handshake. But he led him by the hand. And I think you know, perhaps, and I'm just trying to look at this and thinking, okay, the nephew implies he's a younger person. He's all of a sudden meeting the centurion and then the commander. And, you know, he knows his uncle's a big deal. And maybe he grabbed him by the hand to kind of put him at ease, you know, mm -hmm. because, mm -hmm. and then he took him privately. He says, hey, 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 bud, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And there's also a reflection that there is a softness in the centurion's heart concerning Paul. So even in a place where there's persecution, God will send a soft heart to tend to you, to be there to help you. I mean, who would have known the son of Paul's sister would be right there to hear that thing? Who will know? But yeah. God arranged in the back scene you know, he arranged all these things ahead that that the, the boy would be there in the right place at the right time. And before that, God was prompting his heart, go to this place and be, you know. So God arranged everything, just that we don't see it. Sometimes that's right. And, and that's right. And you wonder why this is happening to me and this is happening to me. And maybe it's not all good, but what's God doing in the background in your life? Yeah. You know, as I started yes. out saying, we, we're slaves uh, in the system, but what is God doing in the background? I see him moving. I mm -hmm. see, and I'm not going to get into intel here, but, you know, we see every major government body agency in that being exposed around the world right now. Yes. People are being, like, every, so God is doing all this stuff. He's orchestrating it all, folks. Yes. And, uh and, and also with this uh, with this nephew, he had enough credibility. So it, he must have been a Pharisee in training or something. This is just my own conjecture uh, that that's what he was. But I I assume that there's something because he had enough credibility to get in uh, to speak to Paul and then go and speak to 
well, to a centurion and then ultimately the commander. And and I don't know if, if the commander has a soft heart. Perhaps he does towards Paul. I do know the commander is scared for himself with this guy mm-hmm. because he almost flogged him. And then Paul said, hey, you know, flog a Roman? Like the commander would be jailed for that, right? Uh, you know, and, and then he uses the Jews laws against them. Like Paul's making himself untouchable, but he sure takes a beating. He takes a licking and keeps on ticking. yeah but all in all through it all god is behind the scenes ahead of us that's right so the commander hears about the plot and he tells the young man go and instructs him tell no one you have notified me of these things and so now it's interesting and you know, Paul, as we've seen throughout the book of Acts here since, you know, really since chapter 9 when Paul really came on into the picture, he has to be moved out at night a lot, <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. wherever Paul goes, it creates a stir. But in this case, the stir is so much. You gotta, so he called two centurions, so that's 200 men. It says, get 200 soldiers ready by the third hour of the night, which is about 9, 9 p.m. at night to proceed to Caesarea and Caesarea is kind of like the, uh, the headquarters of the Roman army in the area right now. Uh, so not only the 200 soldiers, but with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen. So now we're up to 470 people to escort Paul soldiers, spears, horses, everything to escort Paul out of town to go see Felix, the governor. Talk about grand. That is grand. <laughs> you think? And, and, and by the way, so not only is God arranging for uh, his transportation eventually to Rome, it's like, you know what, Paul, you just had a kind of a good beating. You got smacked in the face. I'm going to put you on horseback. You don't have to walk the 70 miles or so. <laughs> you know, like, you know, so... This is good, right? Like, yes. and he's getting he's getting good treatment as a prisoner, I would say. Yes, and for sure. So he and and to bring Paul safely to Felix, and he certainly is going to get there. And Felix, the governor, uh, the last governor we saw was Pontius Pilate. Mm-hmm. So Felix is the replacement now for Pontius Pilate because this is probably I don't know twenty. 25 years after Jesus died on the cross. Okay. Just as a timeline. And what's interesting now is the letter uh, with the following content. And uh, so, you know, obviously the commander introduces himself, Claudius Lysias. So a Roman citizen with a Greek name uh, to the most excellent governor Felix greetings. And then he tells the story, but he leaves out a couple details. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when this man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them, I came up yeah. to them with the troops and <laughs> yeah. I rescued him. And learning he was a Roman, <laughs> he didn't say, when I was about to flog him <laughs> before I found out he was a Roman. I wanted yeah. to ascertain 
the basis for charges brought against him. I am doing my job with perfection, Governor. And I brought him down to their council, but I found he was being accused regarding questions in their law, but was not charged with anything deserving of death or imprisonment, because don't forget, he is a Roman citizen. And when I was, I, I'm taking some liberties here. I hope you know, I'm not reading the word exactly here. Uh, but when I was informed that there would be a plot against the man, because people respect me so much, I have so much inside knowledge, I uncovered this plot. You're welcome, Mr. Governor. You're <laughs> welcome. I knew that I had to send him to you. Uh, also instructing his accusers to bring charges against him in front of you because you are the greatest governor. Please give me a promotion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like that, isn't it? <laughs> it sounds that way to me. Yeah, yeah. So the soldiers, in accordance with their orders, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatries. Now, if you look on a map, Antipatries is like halfway between Jerusalem and Caesarea. So it's kind of like a natural resting point. It's about 35 miles from Jerusalem. And listen, 35 miles on horseback, that's a pretty good day, even on horseback, right? Mm -hmm. um, but on the next day, they let the horsemen go on with him and they returned to the barracks. And when the horsemen had come back to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, so they, they're sending the governor, uh, the, the governor the letter ahead of Paul's arrival, right? Yes. Uh, and now when he read it, he also asked from what province Paul was. And when he had learned that he was from Sicilia, he said, I will give you a hearing. And when your accusers arrive as well, giving orders for Paul to be kept in Herod, Herod's Praetorium. So he's a prisoner, but now he's a prisoner in Herod's palace. He's given a stage. <clears throat> He's Listen, given a he, stage to declare. Yeah. Yeah. And look, he could have been put in the, the prison where they put the lowlifes and all these people, but this guy's going to the presidential palace. He's still yeah. a prisoner there, but, you know, maybe he's eating grapes, you know, being fed to him. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> maybe we'll find out next chapter. The, the anointing of God will open a way for you before kings to fulfill the call of God in your life, to do what the Lord has given you to do. So it is not us. You know, I, I have been in that place where I, where I have, you know, received from the Lord that to do this, 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 but there are no other details. And sometimes I, I would attempt to make it come to pass but it'll never work. So when the Lord tells you to do a certain thing, he is the one to bring it to pass. We have to wait and don't try to fulfill it on our own effort. So in this case, God gave Paul the word, you will be a witness in Rome, but he didn't say how, and he set it up for Paul. And now Paul has a grand stage. So, Beulah, you said something really amazing there when you, you were talking to the audience and you made it personal. 
and you said to each person out there that they would stand before kings. And a lot of people might be listening and saying, how could that be possible? Well, we're going to tell you. And and so I'm and I, I am comfortable with doing this. I'm going to ask Beulah to close us out in prayer, but to pray for you personally that you would be effective enough to be put before kings. And Amen. and then after that, you want to stay stay by stay for the prayer because first of all, it's good for you. And second of all, you don't want to miss the announcement that I'm going to make. And it's not a commercial for anything. I promise you. It's not a commercial. It's an announcement that I think is going to be so much fun. So, Beulah, is the Holy Spirit in you ready? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I get goofy in the morning. I don't know what it is. Father, you just want to thank you for your grace and your love and your word. You know, Lord, everything that we are discussing and we are speaking here, God, you, you have prepared a place for those who would hear your word. And Father, I just know, God, in my spirit that there are those, Lord, who are listening to this message. God, that this, this, this series or this word has a specific um, purpose, Father, concerning the areas that they are in, concerning the, the work that they're doing, concerning the situation, God, very specifically. I thank you, Lord, for divine appointment of time and arrangement, Lord that you always send forth your grace in a time of need because, Lord, you are our high priest. So now, Lord, I pray, O oh Father, that you, you will stir in our hearts a fresh desire, a passion of the Lord to God to come before you and desire to seek you in a greater dimension, a greater depth, Lord to increase, Father, in knowing you and knowing who you are in our lives and to cause us, Lord, to stir in our hearts, Lord, to cause us to be willing to lay down the things that, that pull us back, that holds us back, oh, Lord, that are like, Lord, weights that draw us down, that we cannot run the course of our race, Father, effectively. I pray, O oh Lord, that the desire, your desire will stir in the hearts of men as and all those who hear the sounds of, of our voices, God, and the message and the word that has been talked for, that has been spoken forth, that, Lord, you stir that desire and hunger for a greater measure of knowing you, of who you are and who you have called us to be. Because we are all, Lord, the carriers of your glory. But that God, that you will do, you will cause us, Father, to be in that place where we are willing in the day of your power to lay down the things that holds us, Lord, that holds us, Father, the things that are not right, the things, Father, that are impure, the things that are contaminated or corrupted. Lord, all these things, Father, by your grace can be dealt with in you. When we come to repentance, Lord, and we lay down with a sincere heart, Lord, you will draw them away you will take them away and in replacement lord fill us with your very presence lord so i ask oh god 
that those who, had, who would come to that place where they would come to their knees and they would say, Lord, I lay myself at the altar. I want, oh Lord, I desire, God, to fulfill your destiny that you have written, the destiny that you have written for my life in the palm of your hands. Lord, I want to fulfill that. Help me to come to the place of fulfillment. For those, God, who would say this with a sincere heart, I pray, O oh Lord, that you will do the deep work inside them, Father. Do the deep work inside. Remove the dross. Burn up the dross, O oh Lord, so that there will be a refining, a refining of fine, pure gold unto you. And then, Lord, you pour forth your anointing to release even as we are praying right now lord we release the presence of the lord and the anointing of the holy spirit to go forth into the airwaves into all the currents and all the frequency with the presence and the power of the holy spirit to bring their life the word of god in their hearts and fill them through and through lord with your anointing with your oil because, Lord, when we submit ourselves to you, you open the way for us. And the anointing will present us before kings, before those in authority. Not for our own glory, but to speak, deliver, and do the exact, precise word and work of the Lord for the very purpose and for the very appointment. It could be just a word and say, God bless you. It could be as simple as that. In whatever it is, God, you know, and you have destined for it to happen. So I ask, oh Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you seal this prayer in your blood. In Jesus' name, we give you praise and thanks. Amen. Amen. Well, I received that prayer. I hope you did as well, you listening. And, you know, it, it's funny, just at the very end of it, you talked about the appointments. And, you know, on the new goggles that uh, that we did yesterday, uh, spoiler alert, God owns everything. You own nothing. He loans it to you. But one of the statements that I don't think anyone really picked up on it, and I think it was a bit profound. Um, and, you know, sometimes I go back and I watch these new goggles because honestly, the spirit just sometimes kind of takes over and I say stuff and I don't even remember what I say. I have to go watch it again myself. But I, one of those things was God owns all of the possibilities in your life as well and so if you're thinking it's not possible i'm just a housewife or i'm a grandmother or you know i'm too busy working my job nothing like this could ever happen to me well god actually owns that possibility and god wants you to be able to step up to that possibility i guarantee you it is in god's will that you will have that influence because god has given you an awesome and incredible authority. I pray every day uh, for everyone in our audience and our community. I, listen, I'm in the audience too, but I pray, you know, I pray for 
everyone in this community to really fully understand who we are in Christ and the authority he has given you. You have more authority than the angels. They might be big and mighty and powerful, and we love our angels, our archangels. We love our good angels. But it's important to note that even the slithering creatures, which is the serpent right back to the garden, even Satan needs to obey the authority of Christ. And when you speak it in the authority of Christ, even right. he must obey. But there's a caveat to it, okay? You actually have to believe it when you speak it. And that's where we fall down. That's so right. to really understand who we are uh, is we we need our faith built up and built up and built up. And, you know, for many of you, it's, look, I, I'm a simple guy. And I keep saying that I don't have all kinds of scripture memorized. You know, I love the scriptures, but I but I, I love reading it and I, I pray it goes into my heart. But it's not us. It's 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 the divine appointments that God gives us, and He wants us to do so much more. He wants us to walk in His authority. He wants you to be in charge of many cities, even. We have just, and, and I'm going to almost use the word Christians in a derogatory term, because Christian does have a derogatory meaning to the world right now. Um, and as Christians, we have really messed up. We haven't acted according to what the Bible's actually telling us to do. And it's not a bunch of rules. That's the lie from the world. The Bible is not a bunch of rules. The Bible sets you free. Yes. There's only one way to be free. And by the way, you know, if you think it's going to, you convert to Christianity and all of a sudden you're not a sinner, uh, guess what? I don't know one Christian who doesn't sin, present company included, as angelic as Beulah is. Um, <laughs> She, she has sinned, and probably in recent history, okay? Uh, each one of us has. But man, and, and by the way, your sins of tomorrow are forgiven. It doesn't mean I'm not giving you license to go sin. Don't hear anything I'm saying like that. As we get to know the Holy Spirit more, we desire to sin less. But if you want the greatest adventure in, a, in life, there's only one way, and it's the way. Yes. When you follow in the way, which is what I call Christianity, because that's what Jesus called it, um, and you become a disciple, a disciplined learner in the way, you God will send you on the most wild adventures. Hey, you could end up in prison being beaten too. And that doesn't sound like a great holiday, but Jesus came in himself and stood next to Paul. I'll take a beating for Jesus to come stand next to me. Yeah. But they better have me tied down because I'm going to take a couple of them down with me. <laughs> <laughs> Be willing in the day of his power. Today is the day. Ah, perfect, Misty River. Yes. Well, that's it. Okay, I had an announcement. Go for it. So, 
on the Singapore prayer celebration, if you haven't been there, and I'm going to use this word advisedly, what the hell are you thinking? Oh, it is hell you're thinking because you're avoiding prayer. Come on, it's fun. We pray for good things. You feel great after it. The Holy Spirit is there. God promises to be there. So it's not Beulah saying, oh, you know, he, sometimes he shows up. You know, he shows up every time. Am I correct in saying that? Yes, he does. Faithfully. Yeah, because it's a promise. And he can't go against his promise. So not only do we pray, but there are beautiful voices on there. There's beautiful singing. And uh, and and that really inspired me yesterday. Uh, I want to do a show. When is it going to happen? I'm going to plan for October. I will pick a date in October. However, listen to this date. The last day of September is your deadline for entries. And I want each of you who have talent to submit uh, to this because you're going to glorify God in this. Uh, what if you're shy or something like that? doesn't matter. Are, are you afraid of the gospel? Okay, good. You're not because you just believe that prayer that Beulah said. And by the way, maybe this is the way your voice gets heard in front of a king. You never know. Now, here's the assignment. We're going to put together a worship show. But we're not going to be playing worship albums from other people and, you know, the great Christian artists of the day or anything. No. From our community, we want you to do a worship song. Now, the only thing I would ask is that it doesn't go over five minutes. And if you need to introduce it and why the song is important for you or some preamble, make the preamble short, like under 30 seconds short, if you can. Okay, uh, but just you get the idea and keep the clip under five minutes and then send the clips to writeonjeff at gmail.com and I will file them. I will put together a show and then we'll we'll go live and it'll be we'll do it on YouTube. It's going to be safe for YouTube. We'll go live. We'll have a bit of a party and uh, and we're going to have a whole bunch of worship stuff and, and you'll be seeing other people from in the community. I think it's going to be great. Doesn't it sound like fun to you, Beulah? Sounds awesome. Let the so, sound of praise come forth. The Right On Radio Worship Show. I'm going to come up with a better title for it. And uh, and Sarah, when you're hearing this, you were on the prayer last night, so I'm not ambushing you. <laughs> but maybe you can make some memes and we'll start advertising this uh, to go forward as reminders. But uh, till the end of September is going to be the deadline. And uh, you know what? Oh, I don't want to make it a contest. I don't want to make it a contest uh, because I don't want to pit one against another or, you know, production values. Yeah. Or anything like that. yeah. However, for everyone who participates, and I, I'm just kind of going with this right now, I'm going to come up with something. <clears throat> that will help uh, say thank you for your effort and stepping out. And maybe it'll be a, a private meeting with, with us, or, you know, maybe I'll give you something. We'll think of something. Uh, you can give me ideas on what you think might be good as well. Uh, but uh, definitely prepare something, sing a song unto the Lord. And I will put it all together in a show and we'll host it live. 
So that's great. And if I may add, Jeff, for for those who are considering but feel inadequate, just know this: if there's something that God has given to you in your heart, has put it in your heart, and He says to do it, I strongly encourage you to go for it, to step forth, because. When God tells you to do something, it is not for ourselves, because there is someone out there who will hear what you will give, what you will contribute, and who needs to hear what you you have prepared. So then God will use what you have done to reach into that person's life. We don't know who it is, but God knows. So when the Lord says to you to do it, to offer a song unto Him in praise, do it. Because someone out there needs to hear it. Even start today, start finding that song. What pray about it? Whatever song God put on your heart, and and again, it's not a contest. And uh, I think I might even contribute to this. And just to, just so you know, uh, uh, okay, okay. Oh man, I'm gonna regret this. <laughs> I so I have never sang a song out loud not in front of my wife not in front of my daughter except for little lullabies i used to sing to my daughter when she was young i am that shy of my singing voice that i won't even try it if someone is in the house okay that's how not confident i am with my singing voice mm -hmm. so oh god you're so good I'll come up with a worship song with spoken word. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe a rap, you know? No, I can't do a rap. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> I, I, I can rap a burrito. A rap. Any expression, any expression of, of music or song of, of sound. It could be an instrument. I don't know. I don't know. Anything that a lot gives, go for it. Amen. And as as Bula said, if uh, if you've already just got that little inkling that uh, you're called to do it, guess what? You're called to do it. Amen. So we'll see you on the worship show. And I don't care if we get so many entries and it's three, four hours. Hallelujah. If it's only 15 minutes, well, some of you weren't obedient. <laughs> God will spank you. <laughs> oh God! No, yeah, that's to go for it. Seriously, go for it. the The fruit of obedience is sweet, and you know everything that we obey is recorded in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. And having said that, I'm going to play our song right after I and Beulah say this. Remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself. And what should they do next, Beulah? Make a difference in your community.